our enemy today. Um, and what I mean by that, I guess, let me give you a preamble. Um, so what I've done actually is I've taken uh, one of my lessons from uh, youth that we do on Wednesday nights uh, and I've kind of expanded upon it. So uh, for the students in the room, this is going to sound a little bit familiar uh, for you, for those of you who are not, who are above 18, this is going to be, this might be the first time. You're welcome, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you'll be begging for Matt to come back. I don't know. I just work here. Um, <laughs> Um, anyways, but what I mean by uh, I want to deal some serious blows to our enemy, um, so we've been going over this series that I've called War Zones, and what uh, we've been looking at is, uh, well, I guess the focus of the series has been to awaken our youth to spiritual realities uh, in our day, behind our culture, behind things in our lives, behind uh, everything. Uh, I, I firmly believe that there is a spiritual battle going on right now between heaven and hell uh, for the uh, for the minds, the hearts, and the souls of our students, and even us here today. But this is not a battle that's hardly, hardly fought because Jesus has already handed us the victory, all right? Satan has no uh, power. Satan has no uh, uh, grip. There's nothing that Satan can do to come against the Lord in any serious way that's not just going to, you know, be a little flick to him, right? Um, but it's, it's a little bit more complicated than uh, just that. And so what I'm hoping to do today um, is I want to approach this uh, topic very prayerfully and very um, you know, fearfully and, and, and just as honoring to you and as honoring to the Lord as possible. Um, and what I want to, I, and, and hmm. I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I really just want to punch the devil in the mouth this morning. Um, I want to engage in this, in this fight. Um, but I also know that when I start uh, poking at things that the devil has a firm grip on in our lives, um, he kind of lashes out a little bit. And that can either look like a nasty email to me, that can look like a, a, a slandering of the pastor to your friend at your table, um, that can look like a number of things. Um, but I believe that it's good, and I, I, I firmly believe that the Lord wants to do a deep work in us today. So anyways, let's just be prepared for that. If you don't like anything I have to say today... Um, you can send me a personal email to matt at onechurch.ca. Okay, we're all good. Anyways. Also bear with me a little bit. I was leading worship at camp last night uh, up at KLBC, um, and I went a little too hard. So anyways, those guys are crazy. Um, here's a question to start us off. Oh, hey, Matt, where's that clicker? <laughs> oh, Jonah's on the, on the ball. That's great. Uh, my first question for you today, uh, where do you think our value as humans come from? Um, and this is kind of a rhetorical one. This is not the, the fun one to start us off with. I want to get our brains uh, working today. Um, where do you think uh, our value as people come from? And this is kind of a, it, it's, it's, it seems like an easy question, and you might have the Sunday school answer of like, well, it comes from Jesus. And it does. But also, it's a little bit more than that. Um, and I think this is something that we uh, absolutely need to understand and get down um, because this, it sits at the, the bedrock of, of a lot of Christian thought. Let me give you an example. Let's do a little thought exercise. So um, when I was in college, I was 20 years old, um, my parents, I was living at home because poor college student, um, I, uh, I was, so I was living at home. I have a brother. My parents are, are together. Um, my parents decided to adopt uh, this little puppy. It was a Cocker Spaniel, um, and I don't have a picture of her, but if I showed you a picture, um, I, would f I, I would fight all of you to protect this dog, and then if you saw the picture, you would also uh, fight everybody else with me on that because this dog is so freaking cute. 
Uh, about a year later, I was 21, they adopted another Cocker Spaniel. Uh, her name is Molly. I'm not going to brag about her as much. Don't read too far into that. <laughs> I have favorites, and I don't, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, my mother also had a rather large fish tank. Um, my brother had a cat, um, and I'm pretty sure there was a possum living in the backyard. I'm kind of kidding. I'm very confident that there was, though. Our house was a mess, and I just said that online, so that's great. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> anyways, so, so that's, that's an idea of what my house looked like when, when I was in college. Now, let's say that at that time, uh, my family had come, over, come under some pretty serious uh, financial burdens. Maybe there was some debt. Maybe, I don't know, there was a loan shark or something coming after my dad. I'm really exposing my parents here, huh? Like, my dad wasn't that sketchy of a dude. Like, it's not, anyways. Let's say they came under some financial stress, um, and we had to downsize the house a little bit. Let me ask you this. Who's the first one to go? All right, there's too many mouths to feed around there. Think to yourselves, or maybe we can shout it out. Who's, who, who's going first? <laughs> that is not the answer I wanted. How dare you? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, anyways, if you're thinking to yourself, minus Blair, who, you know, everybody but Blair, you were probably uh, either given a little toss-up between the cat or the dog, or maybe the possum would make sense, um, but everybody else in the room besides Blair um, did not jump to get rid of the human, get rid of the kid. No, 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 all right? Minus Blair, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't, look, I don't know what your kids were like, all right, but my, <laughs> me and my brother, we were good, okay? Like, <laughs> um, anyways, but that's just not where our mind first jumped to right? We don't immediately go like, okay, there's a stress in the house. Let's get rid of the people, all right? Or even my, like, my brother or I, or even my mom, oh my gosh, that'd be horrible, you know? And if we're, and if we're doing it based on expenses, I, for sure, well, actually, Blair, you'd be right. I would be the first one to go. You know, I was a poor college student. I was, I was, uh, I had this really bad habit of uh, making grilled cheese at three, three o'clock in the morning, um, and so all the cheese and all the bread was gone. Um, my dad would get up for, to make his lunch for work the next morning. I'm like, where the heck is all the food, right? And I'm just sitting there in, like, my food coma, and it was just, it was great. Anyways, college was a crazy time. And I think there's a deep spiritual reality behind even that because there's something uh, about humans that tells us, or even asking that question that tells us uh, that there's something more, that we are above the rest of creation. And I think we can find the answer to that very question uh, right here in the book. So uh, we are looking at Genesis chapter 1 today. Um, there we go. I have it on the screen. Um, Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 30. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. So from this passage, we get this idea uh, that the theologians have, uh, throughout the centuries, have called uh, the Imago Dei, 
uh, imago, uh, the imago Dei, imago Dei is a Latin word. Um, it means the image of God, right? Imago, image, Dei, God, okay? I, I, it's also a lot of fun to say. Do you guys want to say it with me? Right? One, two, three. Imago Dei. No? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. And what this means, the, the, the Imago Dei, it means that humans are inherently valuable because God chose to create and form us in his own image. Um, that God delights in us uh, because he created us in his own image. Um, and this thought has set, sat at the bedrock of all Christian thought throughout the centuries uh, and even dipped into some of our political philosophy. I'll give you two quick examples. So, um, how many people know the story of Cain and Abel? Real quick. Real quick. Hips? There we go. Cool. I'll give you the Stiller Spartanos version just in case you can find it in, uh, later in Genesis. I actually don't have the... It's like Genesis chapter like 4. 4. Thank you, Matt. He makes the money. I don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Stiller Sparks version of the uh, story of Cain and Abel. So, uh, Adam and Eve, once they get banished from the garden, they have uh, two sons named Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel was, uh, and in that time to atone for sin, they had to give sacrifices, right? Uh, Abel, Abel was rock solid with his, with his sacrifices, okay? Abel was killing it. He was giving the best of his crops. He was get, Abel was just bringing every, all the best stuff to the Lord. Cain Cain got a little bit lazy with it. Cain was like, ah, you know what, uh, the best stuff we need, so I'm just going to give, like, the kind of the lesser things to God, because it's just getting burned anyways, who cares? And so Cain, Cain got a little, uh, uh, he was a little lazy with it. God uh, was very upset by this. God blessed Abel, um, but did not bless Cain. Cain got very jealous, kills Abel with a rock, or uh, very horrible, oh my gosh, um, Cain kills Abel, and that is the first recorded murder in all of human history. Uh, after that, God is, is very displeased by Cain, uh, and, and God curses Cain to, and banishes him from the land and marks Cain uh, so that Cain's, any crop that Cain tried to tend, it would not grow. Uh, but also, if any harm came to him, uh, it, that, that curse would be given to that person sevenfold. Okay? So, anyways, it's a lot more clear in the Bible, but that's the Sparksmith version. Um, and I have a couple questions from this. So, why in the world did God curse Cain in such a horrible way uh, be, because of this horrible thing that happened, right? Like, why, why, why did God take such a, a big issue with it? It's because that what Cain did was such a deep assault on the Mago Dei, right? Any, like, that, that kind of violent crime against a, another person is, is a deep assault against the image of God in another person. That's why it's so horrible. But then on top of that, God uh, marked Cain so that if any harm came to him, uh, that, that curse would be given to somebody else. Like, well, why the heck, right? Because Cain did this first, right? Well, again, it's because of the Imago Dei, because God deemed that there was something fit in Cain that was worth protecting, right? It's very interesting. It's, yeah. And, uh, and, and now that's just a, a, an example in the Bible. There's, this actually goes much further than our Bibles. Uh, in fact, you can even see this sort of same uh, idea uh, played out in uh, uh, this case in the States. Uh, in 1896, uh, there was a Supreme Court case, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson. Uh, this had to do with the segregation laws on the books in the state of Louisiana, right? Um, and so basically this was the, during the time of, uh, you know, like civil rights was starting to come up, still the 1800s, so they still had, had a long way to go. Um, but there was a vote to either uphold or uh, deny uh, the segregation laws in Louisiana. The vote went in the Supreme Court uh, seven to one, 
in favor of the segregation laws. It's that one dissenting vote that I want to uh, look at today because I think it's actually quite uh, telling as to this, this whole idea. So uh, the uh, opposing uh, justice was a guy named uh, John Marshall Harlan. Uh, and in his dissent, let me, let me uh, read what he wrote. Um, in the eye of the law, there is in this country no superior dominant ruling class of citizens. There is no caste here. Our constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. In respect of civil rights, all citizens are equal before the law. The humblest is the peer of the most powerful. The arbitrary separation of citizens on the basis of race while they are on public highway is a badge of servitude wholly inconsistent with the civil freedom and the equality before the law established by the Constitution. It cannot be justified upon any legal grounds. Okay, so did anybody notice kind of what he was citing there? Um, because, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about segregation in, in the United States. Um, my uh, fiance is from there, so she actually helped me out with understanding this quite a bit. Um, and now, first, praise God that laws like that were overturned over the last hundred years and that now the, the societies that we have in place is, uh, well, a lot better, a lot better than, than, than what it was. You know, I think for the most part we are uh, a unified uh, people, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but let's look at what, but I want to actually uh, look at what Harlan is actually citing here. Ar Harlan is not going like, well, it's just like they're, you know, we need to uh, not do that because it's a bad thing to do. He's not citing arbitrary ideas of equality. He's not going off about how the system stinks, all this stuff. What Harlan actually did was he cited the Imago Dei, right? There is in this country no superior class of citizens. All citizens are equal before the law. And this is, he's kind of going about it pragmatically. You know, he's not citing his Bible. He's just like, nope, everyone's equal. We all have equal value. There's no questioning that. He just knew that. I'm not even sure if the guy was a Christian, you know? <laughs> but he knew that there's something at the bottom of every person that made us equal, that made us valuable. And I'm not even sure if he knew that he was actually citing the image of God. The point that I'm trying to get at here is that um, we... All of us sitting here in this room, everybody outside of this room, your, your co-workers, your neighbors, everybody, we are all equally made in the image of God. God delights in us because of that image, um, and it's this image that sits at the bedrock of how we uh, interact with the Bible, of how we read the Bible, how we understand theology, how we worship God, how we interact with each other. You can't get away from this. This is, this is at the foundation. So I want to ask you another question. How does God want me to treat others, considering this? Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that question. I don't know why I wrote it. I do know why I wrote it, but it also makes me uncomfortable because that's the Holy Spirit. And maybe I could have set this up differently, but I need you to understand that, um, well, I, I just need you to understand that we're all valuable equally. There's nothing that you can do to take away from that value. There's nothing that you can... Uh, say, be, or, or there's, there's like God just made you in his image. There's nothing you can do about that. It's incredible. You're, value because, you're valuable because of that. And it's this image that, that God created us in that, we, um, that he delights in. It's the image that we serve, that we love. 
It's the image, it's, it's this idea of the Imago Dei, it's the prime, it should be anyways, the prime influencer of how we interact with each other. That I, I'm able to look at, at each one of you and, and think I uh, love you and I value you because you are equally made in the image of God, that God chose to delight in each of us and create both of us and put this, us here in this space. And so I, I, I firmly believe that because of this, God deeply cares about how we treat each other. And the cool thing about God is that he knew that we would make a, a mess of things, that God kind of knew that we would screw this up somewhere along the way. And the, the cool part about, well, the book, is that there are a good number of examples of, uh, well, examples, instructions, everything. God kind of gave us a firm sort of instruction guide as to how he wants us to treat each other because he knew we'd make a mess of it. Um, and God's like, you know what, I'm going to fix this problem right before it's, uh, it becomes a huge issue, and I'm just going to tell you how you should, how you should uh, treat each other. Um, and so I just want to give you uh, uh, three verses. Well, it's a lot more than three, but uh, I want to give you a couple passages of, uh, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so. All right, first one we're looking at is Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, pursue, oh gosh, wait a minute. Yeah, there it is. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, uh, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Um, I'm not very good at a lot of those things. I'm not going to lie. But. Uh, and finally, Colossians chapter 3. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion kindness and humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. So also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So I think there's a general kind of theme throughout these uh, uh, verses, um, and if you didn't catch it up, I'll, I'll kind of I'll, I'll do a quick little summary. Um, God's desire for us in our relationships with one another is that we pursue harmony, treating each other with love and grace, and where there are grievances, we reconcile and move on unified by the gospel. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that one gets me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going um, to lie. Uh, I'll, I'll be a little open-hearted with you. I uh, have a tendency to uh, not only take things really personally, uh, but I also really like to hold grievances. And that's just, that's just a flaw in me. That's a, a part of my flesh. Um, you could probably even ask uh, my fiance Morgan. She's seen a little bit of that. And now, here's an interesting thing that I'm uh, also learning as I'm uh, getting married. It's that the, there's such a, a deep impact that your uh, spouse or partner can, can have on you. Um, so, for example, um, if I'm talking with uh, Pastor Matt, for example, um, if he's like, hey, Mitch, like, I think you have this, I think there's this issue in you, um, I, I'd really like to see you kind of uh, work on it, and here's a way you can correct it. I go like, oh, okay, okay, cool, 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 thank you, thank you. Um, 
Morgan says the exact same thing to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Because I care so deeply for uh, uh, her opinion and her word, but I also know that she says things uh, like that in care for me, uh, that I would grow, that I would be uh, better. And I guess, well, how much more when we hear those same things from the Lord? How much more when we hear those exact same things uh, from the book? And that's why I'm kind of so gripped by this, um, because I, I, I know that, that you know, there, there, there's a sort of, we have a proclivity to holding on to offenses, because they hurt me, right? Because someone else decided that I wasn't worth treating well. And I'm, I'm not even diminishing that. That's, a, that's totally a, uh, an issue in our, in our day, and, and I think we have a proclivity towards that. But there's also this other idea that, you know, we, we reconcile with each other and that we move forward unified not by arbitrary ideas, but we are unified by the gospel. Because that's kind of our whole thing, isn't it? You know, we're not in this room unified by culture. I mean, some of us, a lot of us, all of us are, okay? We're all Canadians. We're all unified uh, by culture. But we're also not in this room uh, unified simply by common interests, occupations, uh, wealth status, um, a whole other host of things. There's a lot that makes us unique and, and, and individuals. Uh, but we're not in here unified by those little things. We're unified in here by our love for Jesus. We're all in here unified because God uh, so loved us. He chose to uh, save us that at some point in your life you heard uh, the message of the gospel that God delights in you so deeply that he sent his one and only son to die for you. Uh, and that as you put your faith in him, uh, that he would save you and redeem you and, and, and call you uh, a son or daughter. We're all unified because we heard that at some point, right? And what a beautiful thing. And I'm not even sure we can even fully say that we're united by location. I've only been, I haven't even been here for a year yet, you know? Like, I'm still calling myself the resident Ontario boy, and I don't know how long that'll take to, for me to switch over, but I guess what I'm trying to say is when I stand here and speak with you, um, and I laugh with you, and I enjoy fellowship with you, and I enjoy, I will enjoy some very uh, good food. I'm going to try and wrap this up because I'm getting hungry. Um, <laughs> uh, when I stand here and, and, and enjoy all these things with you, um, I enjoy these things in a shared love for Jesus. And, we, and when we kind of hold on to petty grievances, when we hold on to uh, the, the de petty grievances, deep hurts, maybe I've done something wrong against another person, right? When we hold on to these things, we undermine and undo the deep work that the Holy Spirit has been doing in us since our salvation. Um, and when we... That's, that's actually pretty simply it, you know? I'll end by proposing this question to you. Is there somebody that I need reconciliation with? Is there a coworker that, that maybe you've been arguing with a lot lately? Is there a family member that you have uh, let a issue, uh, maybe, oh my gosh, in our day, maybe it's a political issue, maybe it's a uh, uh, sort of cultural issue. Uh, is there a family member that you have uh, uh, severed a connection with over, over something that's maybe not that big a deal? Oh, here's the bad one. Uh, is there uh, maybe somebody in this church that you've had issues with and it's making it really hard to worship in the same space? 
I remember at our uh, AGM back in February that Matt said, Matt mentioned that we had a couple skeletons in our closet, and I, I, I feel like it's, it's kind of getting time to uh, start figuring out what we do with them. And I'm not oblivious to the fact that even church leaders screw up sometimes, and as, as I reflect on even my own experiences in my past churches, uh, maybe even my own experiences over the last year, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and thinking the person I need to reconcile with is on stage. And look, I'll be humble to that, absolutely. And, and maybe you're sitting there thinking like, but, but Mitch, like you don't know what I've been through. Like I've, there's such a deep hurt there, but, but Mitch, I screwed up so bad and I don't even think God can forgive me. But Mitch, what do, you, what do you know? You haven't even been around long enough. And maybe some of these things are true. I mean, minus that second one, you're not, you're not out sinning the cross. Like, actually, I want to touch on that a little bit further because I think that was a, a, a good point to make. Um, and, and that's the beautiful part of our gospel. That's the beautiful part. Uh, that's what makes the cross so beautiful is that there is nothing we can do to actually go outside of that. There is no sin so great. There is no grievance so heavy. There's no, there's no crime that we could commit that's so great that God will not forgive us, that God uh, will not, in his infinite power, choose to uh, let it go. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. So, you're not, you're not out sending the cross, just, yeah. I, I, love, I love hearing the people who go like, well, I don't want to go to church. What if I get, like, smited on my way in? It's like, do you really think you're that evil? Like, like you really think that, that, that God who promised to forgive all people equally that God delights in us because he created you? And so you already got that going for you. You're made in his image, right? He already loves you that much. You really think you're going to get smited on your way into a church building? Do you really think the cross is, an, is, is, is not greater than that? Like, come on. Get real. Anyways, that was free. That wasn't even in the notes. And now some of these things uh, might be true and and, and that's why I'm not just going off of my ideas. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just pointing you to the book. Like, this is, this is our authority. This is, I'm just pointing you back to what uh, God has already told us. And I know that the book says that we pursue harmonious relationships and forgive each other with the same grace that God forgave us. And that's not to say that God's forgiveness is, uh, is dependent on your ability to forgive others. However, I think it does beg the question of, who, who am I to ask forgiveness of the Lord if I'm not even willing to forgive others? How can I reconcile with a perfect and holy and just God if I can't even reconcile with my fellow flawed brothers and sisters in Christ or my fellow flawed image bearers? I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back and we're going to close with a, a bit of singing. I'd like to kind of close this off by just, I, I just want to reassure you that reconciliation is a, a good and worthwhile process, um, but it's hard. And it's, it's not something that I can do for you. It's not something uh, that you can kind of just keep to your prayer life and go like, okay, it's between me and God and I forgive this person, whatever, right? Okay, we need to actually uh, lean uh, into what the Lord is, is telling us to do. We actually need to kind of take our, a step forward um, and, and actually reach out to other people and, and say, like, hey, like, I, I've wronged you in some way. I, I take responsibility for that, and I apologize, and I want to move forward in our love for Jesus together. Or maybe even going to another person and saying, like, hey, look, I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, felt, I felt really wronged by this, and I've been holding a root of bitterness against you. 
and I, I, I believe I can speak for Pastor Matt on this as well, but, um, you know, we're, I, myself, Michelle, likely, I, I, I'm going to choose not to speak for you, um, uh, and, and Pastor Matt, we're, we're here as your church leaders to help in the way of uh, uh, providing rec- reconciliation. We want to be mediators, we want to uh, pray with you, we want to do whatever we can to support you in this room uh, to seek reconciliation with other people. Because we, I believe, and Matt approved the sermon, so I think he believes too, <laughs> um, we believe in harmonious relationships. We believe in uh, not just unity by the gospel, but harmony in love with each other. We believe that is a good and valuable thing, uh, and we want to support you in, in whatever way that's going to look like uh, to find that. So, let's pray. Father, I just, uh, God, I pray that you're doing a deep work in us. God, I pray that you are right now, even in this moment, stirring our affection for you. God, would you remind us and place a burden on our hearts and minds uh, of those grievances that, that maybe, they've, maybe they've been at the forefront of our thoughts and our actions, or, or, or maybe they've been tucked away in the back somewhere because we don't want to deal with them. But God, would you just help us to deal with them? God, I pray for, for every individual in this room who is uh, harboring a skeleton in their closet, who has um, accidentally allowed a, a root of bitterness to seep in. And God, would you help us in, in laying that down at your cross? God, would you help us to uh, lay our hurt feelings, our grievances, our everything that we even feel we're justified to feel hurt by? God, would you just help us to leave that at the feet of Jesus and to never pick it up again? And God, would you help us as we pursue harmony of relationships together in love for your gospel. God, bless us as we, uh, as we continue in fellowship together this morning. God, would you be here as we uh, prepare to sing to you?